we're moving to the next level. We are going to go ahead and you're going to see some things different. Um, I got to spend a little money, I know, but I got to get a banner over here saying bathrooms. <laughs> Why? We all know where the bathrooms are, Pastor, but our visitors don't. We're so, we, we got to get away from being home folks to being guest folks. Um, what I mean by that is home folks know what I'm talking about. Um, see Sister Corey to sign up for such and such class. Well, everybody in the church knows what Sister Corey is, but the visitors don't. So I want to get a sign up that says bathroom so they know where the bathrooms are. I'm going to put a sign over by the kitchen that says coffee. Why? Because a lot, I know how important coffee is to you. So I bet when we get a visitor, coffee is going to be important to them. Especially when they come for Sunday school. Give me coffee. Robin wanted to be hooked up this morning to, intravenously for her coffee this morning. <laughs> so we're going to do those kind of things. Also, we're going to be having a welcome center soon. We're, we're trying to figure out how to do that, but it's going to be out in our main audit, our main entry, um, our main foyer. foyer. What do we call that thing? Uh, the foyer, but it's also called something else. Anyway, I don't remember. I am the son of an architect. I should know, but it's a foyer. Um, <laughs> but we're going to have it over here. But how do you know where the main entrance to our building is? So we're going to be signing that too, because that's our main entrance and that's our south entrance. By the way, just for all the people coming for Awana, we're not using our south entrance this year. We're going to use our main entrance. So when you come for Awana, come to the east door. And uh, we had too many kids sneaking out. Instead of staying, they would go home sometimes after using the bathroom. Well, they really didn't use the bathroom. Their teacher would be checking on them, going with them. And while they're, you know... So we're avoiding all that, and so it's going to be much better for the bathroom usage. And it wasn't, you know what, it wasn't our little kids, it was our middle school kids. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> he knows. <laughs> he knows exactly. So we're doing those things. We're even, we're even toying with a different type of children's church. And so, um, and uh, we want to do things so that we can reach the unchurched population of our community. You know, so many times churches grow by taking people from another church. Come on, do you not, don't you see it all the time? People take people from other churches and say, we're having great growth here. No, you're just moving these sheep from this pen over to this pen. What about birthing some new sheep? So our focus is on going to be on birthing new sheep. So today, Jason, we got a new child signed up, or getting a new child signed up for Awana. Yeah, Jeremy's sister. How about that? Guess what? We're going to have to make a home visit. <laughs> because we need to get to know Jeremy's parents. We've gotten to know Jeremy. And if they're anything like Jeremy, we're going to have fun. And so um, it should be good. But I'm looking forward to having his sister here. And that's going to be great. Um, and so, and I want to get the little, I want to get that nursery packed. Also, just, uh, I know, Timey, I need all, I need all the, after church, after we, we need to get all the nursery workers together for a very short meeting.
Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Look at that. I don't care if they're all ankle biters. I don't care if we fill up the whole wana in the beginning with rugrats. You know, because eventually we'll get all the older kids too. <laughs> so I'm excited about it. But today I want to talk to you, and, and you're going to see new types of life groups that we're going to be starting. Already, um, Timey is organizing one of our newest life groups. Don't have a name for it, but it's Coloring Book. Yes. You know, and so those who enjoy doing coloring, and don't think, you know, I just had a crazy idea. Joanne just gave us a worksheet. We could even have, even if the coloring people wanted to do, work on the worksheet together as they're doing their coloring book stuff, they could discuss what the stuff they get stuck on for Sunday school. You could have a group just doing that worksheet together as a life group. These things are just things people are interested in. We could have a group that likes to go out to eat and get together, go to different restaurants every week. So one week it's Taco Bell, the next week it's the boiler room, I don't know. And, and you discuss the pastor's sermon. How cool, and I will not give you my notes. You'll have to take notes during church and you can do it. But these are things that are organic. And I would love to have you guys discussing my sermon outside of church and learning more about it. Wouldn't that be cool to see that? Je Jason and I were thinking about it. If everybody would have studied his sermon outside of church last week, boy, everybody would be going, wow, I know what he was talking about now. Instead of saying, what was he talking about? Well, if you can't remember, we have it online. Just go listen to the podcast again. Isn't that cool? And all those who are on Facebook, how many people are on Facebook? If you haven't signed up for the church's website, do so. And then do us a favor, after um, Corey gets the sermon posted, just like it, I mean, just go ahead and reshare it out there so that it gets all to your friends because what we're trying to do is get them saved. It's one easy way of trying to get... Did you know that in the month of July we had over 400 people in church that month that we never see because they were listening to the podcast? It's called Outreach. And so it's so exciting about that. I had a lady call from Oregon the other day asking for prayer. Yeah. I wish she would have gave me more information so I could have helped. And I hope she's got a local church there that can help pray with her. But in the meantime, we can pray for her. Today I'm going to be talking about gratitude and generosity. For the next several weeks, this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, we are going to be doing our stewardship campaign for September. Don't get worried. I'm not going to go ahead and force you to write out checks. That's not what I'm doing. Stewardship is something different than we understand it to be. Most of the time when you hear stewardship in church, what do you think? They're going to ask me for money. Well, the church needs money, like every other church needs money, to pay its bills. You know, without money, we can't pay the electric bill, and so we can't have air conditioning. In the wintertime, we don't have heat. We like having those things, don't we? We like being able to call the church phone and, and getting through, and, and I know you like when you're here working and picking up the phone and being able to call out. 
those kind of things. Those are all important things. But that's not what we get. Most places get caught up, and that's all stewardship's about. But that's not what all stewardship is about. Stewardship is all, all of being a good steward is, is putting everything in its correct place. That's why Joseph was such a good steward. He knew where to put his master's things. We are supposed to be stewards for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should be putting all the things where they belong that he has blessed us with where they belong. They need to have the right priority. And today we're going to start talking about gratitude and generosity. Because we forget that we should be, have more gratitude to the Lord. How many times do we hear Paul say, be thankful? <laughs> How many times do you read in the Psalms about thanksgiving? That's what we're talking about with gratitude and generosity. Let me tell you why I want to talk about generosity. We get this, we get this false notion that the only thing we have to do to get, be generous is, is in the offering plate. That's what most people think when the pastor's talking about generosity. I'm talking about being generous with your time, with your finances, and with your love. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? Let, let me point something out here. There's a, there's a verse here that I want us to look at. It's from Romans 1.21. It's just one verse. It's, just a, it's not the text. It's the kickoff. All right? And listen to it. See what it says. I'm going to have it put up on the screen. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and, full, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Before we delve into that really quick, let's pray. Lord, I thank you and praise you for this message today. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. And Lord, help me just to speak the words you would have me to speak today. And I think your anointing will not just be in me, but will touch everyone here so that we have ears to hear from you, Lord. And this message would find good soil in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, help us to renew our minds by hearing of the, by, by the word of God getting into us. And Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Help us, Lord, to be more gracious. Help us, Lord, to have more gratitude for what you've done for us. And help us, Lord, to be more generous with everything you have given us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Don't, now think about this. This is a verse, and if you, if you know Romans chapter 1, you know it deals, you gets past verse 16. The rest of the chapter deals with sin. All right, and Paul used a very extreme case of sin there that we not we don't have time to get into this morning. That's for a different time, a different place. This morning, I want you to notice why people get fall into sin. I want you to notice the warning God gives here in this one verse. Everybody focuses so heavy on the verses that come, they a lot of times forget about this one verse and see how it. The Christian should not be what this warning that Paul gives us is talking about. We learn some important facts from this verse. And we need to see them as warnings to us. Just like in Paul's day, people of our day are not heeding the alarm that the Holy Spirit is sounding here. So let's look at the facts again. The verse is up there on the wall. 
And they, it says, they knew God. Now, these are people who knew God. They knew him. This is not, he's not talking about just the run-of-the-mill pagans out there. All right, who have no idea who Jesus is, who God is, even though he's written, we learn in Romans that he writes his law on our hearts and we know right from wrong. It, God, God's the one who created Jiminy Cricket, our conscience. And he writes it on all of our hearts. Okay? And, but this is, he's talking about people who know God. Now, now, this is very important because of what's happened in the American church and in the church over in England and in Europe. Uh, some of the churches have, who know God have decided that they rather go by their feelings than the Word of God. Does that make sense? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Churches have said... The culture has changed, and so we want to be nice to everybody. It doesn't matter that God calls us a sin. We're going to say it's okay. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that says that's another way we know that we're in the last days because they'll start calling good evil and evil good. I'll get, I'm not going to use the case that Paul uses there. I'm going to use abortion. During this last election... Those who were for, a de for the Democratic candidate were holding up signs that abortion is good. It's healthy for women. What? No, it's not. That's calling good evil and evil good. It's good to kill babies, and it's bad to be against it. That's what I'm talking about. See, I, sometimes we need to look at the other context so all of a sudden we don't get all wigged out going, all right, we've got to take sides. We're going to hate those people. No, you know what? God doesn't want us to hate anybody. The only thing Jesus says we can hate is sin. The only way we're going to get them saved is if we love them. You mean I've got to love somebody who holds a sign like that? Yep. Because unless you go and tell them about Jesus, how are they going to get saved and know any better? You know what I find with the millennial kids online? I don't attack them. I, I put a statement out or ask a question that makes them think, ouch. I get less blow, but I have done that. I have gotten, I even, oh my word, I have a friend, I had a Facebook friend, I have a Facebook friend who loves Occupy Democrats. Oh, they drive me nuts, those posts. But where they've been totally off kilter, I have challenged their thinking. But I haven't challenged, I haven't said you're a rotten scoundrel for believing that way. I have challenged the thinking instead of the person. And you know what? I don't get attacked back. Too many times we attack the person and then we deserve all the attacks that we get. And we go, oh, I'm being persecuted for Christ. Now, there's times that we'll get persecuted for Christ, but sometimes we bring things on ourselves when we take it all wrong because we got so offended. You know what? The cross is an offense. We don't need to get offended. If they hated, hate us, Jesus says, it's because they first hated me. And so we should say, hey, I got a badge of honor. They're treating me like Jesus. I mean, what happened? 
Peter and John get beat up by the Sanhedrin, right? They're told not to preach about Jesus anymore. They come back to the church celebrating. We got treated like Jesus. Oh, praise God. I mean, they're all bloody. They're all beat up. They come back. Oh, glory to God. And they had such a prayer meeting. The place that they were praying, the Holy Spirit invaded so strong it was shook like there was an earthquake and the rest of the Jerusalem didn't feel it. But the place, as an earthquake, but the place where they were praying shook under the power of God. And that, and the power of God changed lives in Jerusalem. And that's what they felt. So they knew God. But here's the problem. Now, think about the church in America. They did not glorify him as God. What? Oh, we, but we all love Jesus, yeah. But do we glorify him as God? Do we glorify him as we should? Do we say, he's the air I breathe, I'm so desperate for him? You know, they didn't glorify God, him as God. Here's another thing they didn't do. They were not thankful. Isn't that what it says? They weren't thankful? Thank you, Lord. You have provided the food on my table. Thank you, Lord. You gave me enough money to pay my bills. Thank you, Lord. You, you, you uh, put people in my life or you gave me a vehicle I can drive. Thank you, Lord. There's people who care about me. Thank you, Lord, that you care about me. Or do we just grumble and complain all the time? Come on. We allow the hurricane to scare us so much that we don't thank God that he's greater than the hurricane. Think about it. Oh man, I'm getting bogged down here. I got to move. And then it says they became futile in their thoughts. Do you know what the futile, the synonyms for futile are? Do you really want to be futile in your thoughts? Listen to what futile also means. It means useless. Ouch. Pointless. Hmm. Fruitless. Does that preach? Unsuccessful. Vain. Ineffectual. And the last one, wasted. Um, I don't think I want to be like that. And then Paul says, because of that, their foolish hearts were darkened. But Jesus says, don't call anybody a fool. But in this case, we're acting foolish. You know how you don't let sin start ruling in your life? Be thankful to God for everything he's put in your life. Come on. Do the opposite of what this verse is talking about. Thank him. Glorify him. Let your life bring glory to him. You know God, so let your life reflect him. Jason asked the question at table time yesterday. How do you see in a dark room? I'll answer that. Nobody had the answer for that one. Jason had a different direction he was going to, but here's the real answer to how do you see in a dark room? You allow Jesus to reflect through your life. 
because Jesus is the light of the world. We, he was trying to get everybody to understand. We live in a dark world. There's sin all around us. How do we, how do we see? We allow Jesus to be real in our lives. We glorify him, and by glorifying him, his light will shine through us. Because without him, we can't see, can we? Paul even says we see through a dark glass dimly. And the consequences to this, all this, leads them to sin, and they turned away from God. Now, this is why we need to see the importance that having gratitude and generosity are in the life of a Christian. Let's start with gratitude. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58 says, be thank, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and hit on this one too hard because I preached this not long ago. But listen, here's what we need to understand about for this sermon today, about gratitude. We have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It may not always seem that way. That's because we don't always do the first things first. Think about it. We need to do the first things first. What's the first thing up there? But thanks be to God. And then he gives us all the rest of that stuff. You're going through a storm right now? Start thanking him for the storm. <coughs> but pastor, why? Because he says, I'll turn everything to good to them that love me. We got to do the first thing first. The key to our victory is giving thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, you're going to give me victory over this one. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, glory. Come on. Boy, I'm getting my preach on this morning. I got to get done, though. Because we got, we got communion this morning. When we start with our gratitude to God for all, the, for all he has done for us, as well as what's going, he's going to do for us, Look at what verse 58 says. <sighs> Amazing. Let's look at what verse 58 says. It sta starts there with therefore. Therefore. If you're thankful, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, mm. immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we don't have to get worn out. Hallelujah. He says if you start giving thanks, in other words, we do burn out once in a while, but we don't need to burn out if we are just thankful to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, you gave me another opportunity to teach those little rugrats in the nursery. <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Lord, you helped me another night to get through to those kids in Awana. Thank you, Lord. You helped us reach another lost soul for Jesus. It's amazing that all those things can happen for you in verse 58. 
especially if you apply it to the circumstances that you are going through just now. If you're going through a storm, start applying these things to your life right now. Remember, God gives you a promise here. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When you're doing it in the Lord, to the Lord, for the Lord, and for others, it will not be in vain. Besides, what do you want them to say at your funeral? Come on. You want them to have something to say about you. I've done plenty of funerals, and it's always something from the person I don't know to find things that I can talk to, talk about, about the person. And I get their family and friends to start telling me how good of a guy he was. I love it when I'm burying a Christian because, boy, do they talk about their faith. Now, there's a place where gratitude and generosity intersect. Before I get to um, generosity, I want to talk about this intersection. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. While you were still a sinner, before you knew God, before you were saved, Jesus died for you. Before you were even born, he died for you so that you could be saved. Wow. How can we not be thankful for what our Savior has done for us? We should be dripping with gratitude. Think about it. God the Father showed us his generosity and it came out in his expression of love. He didn't hold anything back. He gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Before anyone had given their hearts to him, he willingly laid down his life so that we could be saved. And the Bible says he counted it all joy. I don't know about you, but that's a mind-blowing statement. He suffered so much on the cross, how could you be joyful about it? But the thing is, is when Jesus looked down from the cross, he saw you, and he saw you saved. Think about that. He saw the time that you knelt in prayer and asked him into his heart. Because do you understand? He is God. So he knows the beginning from the ending. He knows your story already. He knows what kind of schnook you were going to be when you were born. And he knows how much you needed him so that you could not be a schnook no more. So you got saved. And now you've been set free. He's delivered you. The chains are loosed. And you're his child. How cool is that? I had some Jehovah Witness ladies come to the door. Boy, I don't think they'll come to my door again for a while. They must have forgot who lived there. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I had to preach hard. I had to preach fast. And, and, and as soon as I got my point across to them, then I softened my thing. And I looked at them and I said, I know you have, a good, you have good hearts, 
I know you, I know you have a lot of faith. I just want to make sure that I see you in heaven when the rest of us are there. And boy, did that soften it. They listened a while longer, and then all of a sudden, when the conviction of the Holy Ghost started getting on them, they had to start moving away. You know the thing that got me, Joanne? They look like they might be holiness Pentecostal women. I mean, they've changed their looks. They're dressing like they're holiness Pentecostal women going door to door. And, and it's like, my word, ladies, I'm sorry. You don't believe in Jesus Christ as God. You just, and they even admitted to me, he's just a God. I'm sorry. If he's just a God, then he didn't do anything for me. But when, because he's God, he had the power over life. He had the power over death. Jesus says, the Father loves me because I willingly lay down my life for the sheep and I take it up again. If that doesn't tell you he's got deity and that he's God, he's got the power to lay down his life and die and the power to take it up again. Those are Jesus' own words. John chapter 10, check it out. It's when he's talking about being the good shepherd. How can we not show our gratitude to our Savior by living a generous life then? Come on. And it's done in a lot of ways. Poor Robin was just worn out the other day. Why? Because she's, she's been doing this and she's been doing that and then job started up heavy again and she comes for training for Awana and she's just worn out. And she's, but she's here. Why? Because she's going to give of her generous life and say, I'm here to learn how to reach these kids we're going to be reaching. You mean that's being generous? I'm telling you, when you're worn out and you're being generous with your time, that's being generous. Come on. She ended up yeah, right where Marilyn's sitting there. She laid down on the pew over there. And she was listening. But her body was worn out. She couldn't even sit up anymore. But she heard everything we did. Because I gave her a quiz afterwards. And, I, and, and boy, oh boy, I gave her a 100-page test. And, she, and it was all essay. And she passed it all. It was great. Because I needed to make sure she... Because she's in charge of our special needs kids. She's, she's graduated. We've moved her out of the nursery completely to start a new ministry for the church. And we're going, praise the Lord. She's so excited. Josh, sit down, boy. I'm working on this. I'm working on... We're praying. We're praying for Josh. Pray with us for Josh. We want to be able to minister to his needs better. We love him. He's, and you know what? Sunday school's good for him. Did you notice the difference? Sunday school's good for him. Um, Acts 3, 6 says, let's talk about generosity, and I'm going to swing by real quick here. Acts 3, 6 says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Pastor, you used that for stewardship? I sure did. Poor Jason and I were going to Minot, and we met a homeless man. Oh, he laid it on thick. I mean, he looked so homeless. He made a homeless person look like they had a house. And because we didn't pay attention to him, because we had no silver or gold, and he wasn't lame laying on the road, so we didn't, he started hacking and coughing, just trying to get our attention. And the thing is, you've got to use wisdom with homeless people. So you need to give to programs that help homeless people get out of being homeless. You know, sometimes the Lord will move on your heart to give them that money. 
but that better be the Holy Ghost, not just because you feel sorry for them. Because sometimes all you're doing is buying them another drink. And that's why they're homeless in the first place. And we don't, you know, we got our two AA groups and we love our AA folks. Don't we? Jason's always saying how much he loves the AA groups on Sat the AA group on Saturday morning because he sees them all the time. We pray for them all the time. But we don't want people stuck. So there's programs out there to help homeless people. By the way, if you want to help out the fire victims, um, don't do it today. Get a hold of Corey tomorrow afternoon. I'm I'll be sending her all the information that I just received this morning about how to help. They've already, they have a place to take furniture and clothes for them, and they also have a GoFundMe page. But I'll get all the information to Corey so that she can get it to you, okay? Um, she helps me out with getting information out to people. Um, it was not, we didn't have time to get it on the screen today. And listen, I like this verse because Peter and John are like us. None of us here in this room right now have a lot of money. Anybody win the publisher clearinghouse? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> so none of us here have a lot of money, do we? We are kind of like the apostles. But when we put together what we do have, you'd be surprised what we could accomplish. <clears throat> when we add it all up, that's why the Baptists say where two or three are gathered together, pass the plate. Why? Because every little bit helps. <laughs> because when you add it up, a hundred pennies equal a dollar. So don't discount what you have. Give to God that way. But also give other ways. But in this case, Peter and John... They had a treasure that they were grateful that they could share. And what was the treasure? They said they didn't have any silver, they didn't have any gold, but what was the treasure they had to share? Jesus! So they shared Jesus with them, with the man, didn't they? What did they say in the name of Jesus of Nazareth? But what... I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, they just didn't give him a handout. They gave him a hand up. Did you get that one? They didn't just give him a handout. They gave him a hand up. Before they met him, he couldn't walk. After they met him, he could walk. And now this is, this is the thing. Jesus walked past this man many times, but he never did anything unless the father told him to do it. Why do you know that? Because it says his family brought him and laid him on those steps daily. That was the main entrance to the church or to the temple. And so Jesus would have passed him, but it wasn't his time for the healing. It wasn't time for God to get glorified yet. But Peter and John, he knew, would walk there one day, and they would see him, and they would stretch their faith, and they'd say, Silver and gold do I have not, but what I have I give you freely. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the man went leaping and praising. He just didn't walk like this. Oh. No, the Bible says he was leaping and jumping and praising God. Read it for yourself in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Made such a stir. Everybody in town and the city knew him. Made such a stir in the temple the Sanhedrin had to look into. What's going on? And then they called the man. Oh, you been play acting all these years? No. I've been lame since birth. Can you imagine having your first steps? Man, we get all... Can you imagine this man's parents if he was, they were still alive? 
You know, what joy we have about our kids' first steps. And they probably looked, Mabel, did anybody get that on tape? I, want, I didn't get to see it. <laughs> the lame man was healed because of Peter and John's generosity. And this is where we're going to go in the next two weeks, learning how we can use our generosity to show others we are grateful to God for our salvation. Our generosity shows the unchurched person that we trust God. It also shows them that our priorities are right because we know Jesus is coming again. So let's look at our closing verse. One more verse and to close here this morning. How we can show our gratitude and generosity. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Are you getting that verse? I love it. Our behavior changes when we accept Jesus as our Savior. That's what it shows us right away. Our if you were a thief before you were saved, and you get saved, you're no longer a thief. Praise God, you're a new creation. You're a new creature. He changes you completely. In other words, you've been born again. Isn't that cool? And so it shows that we are grateful because Jesus has forgiven us and made us a new creation that we are born again. And something else happens. Did you see what else happens? This is the whole reason we go to work. I know Jason loves to sing, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And he starts whistling as he's having to get over there to WCCO at night. Because, you know, when you're walking to work in the dark, and he doesn't get to have the van, you know, it's like, <laughs> come on. The reason we work is so that we can have something to give him who has need. This is our expression of gratitude. And we get a chance to show someone God's generosity. Think about that. We get to show God's generosity when we give to someone who has a need. I've told you this before. I, I can't wait for the day when everybody in our church figures out just to tithe their 10% and not worry about it. That's not a lot of money. Because if we all tithe together, when I would get a phone call saying, we have a real need. I, I go through, I have a hundred questions I put people through because I'm trying to figure out how to get them the help they need. Because not always is the money coming from the church is what they need. Because there's ways of getting people help. I had a young girl called me up who needed to get home. She came here, things went wrong, and now she needs to get home. She needs to get out of the situation. And I went through my hundred questions, found out that she was estranged from her daddy. And I was able to talk to her about a father's love. It doesn't matter that he's mad at you right now. If he's any kind of father, is he a good father? Yes. I said, then if he's any kind of father, he's going to want to make sure you're okay. And I encouraged her to call. And I encouraged her to tell me what happened. So she called. Daddy, I need help. He was still upset with her for making the choices that she made. But she says, darling, 
give me some time. He got on the phone, called her cousin in Missouri, because he couldn't get out here to rescue her right away. Called her his cousin in Missouri. Cousin said, I'll go get her. She calls me back. She says, Dad took care of it. My, his cousin's coming to get me. I'm going to have to stay in Missouri for a couple of weeks, and then Dad's going to be able to get there to get me and bring me all the way rest of the way home. Now, what happened? We didn't just go ahead and give her a hand out. We gave her a hand up to bring healing to her family. But I would love to see a day when people call here and say, I have a need more than food or clothing. And we say, you know what? After we investigate and find out it's a real need, we can help you with that. Wouldn't that be cool? I might even put a group together so that they go ahead and, do, go ahead and talk to the people in their home. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe we get the person saved. Give them a hand up while we're giving them a hand. We can do it. Because we've got to help the unchurched find Jesus. You know how many unchurched people are in this town? Just whopping? Add Breckenridge into it? You know a lot of unchurched people, don't you? People who need Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, help us to show more gratitude to you and show your generosity to others. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you and praise you for your word today. Lord, I ask you that you would touch us and use us and fill us with your Holy Ghost. Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful for what you are doing in our lives. Become more real, Lord. And Lord, as we take communion today, I pray, Lord, that we can surrender our lives to you completely. That, Lord, that as we take communion today, we can turn over the storms that life has given us to you. And, Lord, be victorious. We thank you, Lord, that you are bigger than the storms we're going through. Strengthen us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, forgive us for our shortcomings. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.